Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. This is 30 Day Trek. I'm your host, Luke Gannon, and in this episode, we are covering the animated series episode, The Terratin Incident. This is the one where, upon doing an updated survey on a burnt-out supernova and investigating a radio signal from the neighboring planet of the nearby star Cepheus, the crew of the Enterprise is struck by a bright light and begins to shrink. Analysis, Spock. Our only hope now is rewiring impulse. But there are a thousand broken connections. Captain, this is quite unprecedented. Notice the fracturing is spiroform, similar to long-chain molecules. But dilithium molecules are the hardest, most rigid... Mr. Scott, more trouble with the circuit work. What now, Gabler? All the tools, sir. They're too big for us to handle. You sound like you're blathering, man. Wait, I'm coming. Spock, are you slumping? I have never slumped in my life, Captain. But I was about to ask you the same... Security! Anyone, please! Mess Officer Briel requesting help in the main dining room. Tables, chairs, silverware, everything seems to have enlarged. Women losing rings happens. Uh, some are near panic. Captain, the most incredible thing is happening. We know. The whole ship has apparently expanded. An equally good possibility is that ship's personnel have contracted and may be continuing to shrink. Take us out of orbit, Mr. Sulu. Shut down all unnecessary systems. Get every ounce of impulse power. We've got to get away from this planet. While light on any real social commentary, this episode for me is just a good old-fashioned sci-fi story where the characters have to science their way out of the situation they're in. When developing the show, Gene told his writers to come up with stories that could take advantage of the animated medium they were in by creating actual alien worlds and species. And this episode, written by Paul Schneider, who had written the previously mentioned The Squire of Gothos, fully took advantage of this by having everyone on the Enterprise start shrinking, while also having creatures like the halofish and the gossamer mice. This was an episode that they could never do on TOS due to their budget. Heck, even with the huge budgets of the newer Trek series, they still couldn't do this. Although watching the animated series now, it's a bit paradoxical seeing a Star Trek series that had actual alien worlds and species, and yet still look incredibly cheap since this was a filmation series. 
And for those of you who don't know, they were an animation company from the 60s, 70s, and 80s that made Hanna-Barbera look like Studio Ghibli. It was one of the only animation studios making cartoons for network TV that were actually based in the United States and not overseas like the majority of animation studios were then and now. And the animators they employed were either newcomers fresh out of art school looking to break in or old-timers who should have retired by then and were only working for the health insurance. And one of the producers, Lou Scheimer, was a legendary figure in his own right. According to his family folklore, they were originally from Germany and they fled the country after Lou's father had punched Hitler himself. Was that story actually true? I think the real question is, who cares? It's too good of a story not to tell. But what is true is that when Star Trek The Animated Series won the Emmy for Best Animated Series at the Daytime Emmys, which in 1975 was being held on a yacht, he was completely drunk when he accepted the award because his son had mistakenly overheard that they were going to lose to Captain Kangaroo. To which Lou went, great, the pressure's off of us, let's enjoy ourselves, I'm going to the bar. So when their category came up and they won the first Emmy for the Star Trek franchise, Lou Scheimer was three sheets to the wind. And I'd include the audio of that acceptance speech here, but I can't find the clip of that on YouTube. But getting back to Filmation, they were mostly famous for shows like Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, She-Ra, Princess of Power, and The Ghostbusters, which was a live-action series that had two guys and a gorilla driving around in a jalopy that then got turned into an animated series meant to capitalize on the success of the Ghostbusters movie, which led to a lawsuit and the animated spinoff of that movie to be called The Real Ghostbusters as a middle finger to Filmation. And while Star Trek the Animated Series was considered to be one of the better Filmation productions, I can't blame anyone who had only grown up with the sophisticated animation of the 90s onward take one look at this and say, I can't watch this, with its rotoscoping, wooden voice acting, and reused and recycled lip and character movements. Although I have to say, with Lower Decks bringing back things and species only seen in the animated series, and the one visual gag of Ransom looking at the Kirk and Spock from the animated series on his pad... I would love it if Lower Decks did an episode where the Cerritos is thrown into a parallel universe and the animation of the episode is done in the filmation style with the voice acting and music matching the set style. But getting back to the episode itself, Kirk referring to the Terratins as Lilliputian, as well as the whole episode, is an obvious nod to Gulliver's Travels by Jonathan Swift, which is a reference on a whole other level to one of Gene's inspirations for Star Trek. With its episodic structure and social commentary and satire, one can see Gulliver's Travels as one of the key influences on the creation of Star Trek, along with Forbidden Planet, Horatio Hornblower, and Wagon Train. And I hope one day that we do see another nod to Gulliver's Travels, where there is an alien planet with a war going on, and the cause of the war was an argument over which end of a hard-boiled egg to crack. Again, there's not much for me to go on with this and the previous episode, but even with only 22 half-hour episodes of varying degrees in terms of both story and animation quality, I still feel that the animated series is worth your time checking out. You can easily power through it in a weekend, and you'd be surprised with where the series went and how out there it got. And with Lower Decks reintroducing the various alien species that were only in the animated series, such as the Cations, the Edosians, the Aurelians, the Pandronians, and the Kazinti, who, interestingly enough, were actually created outside of the Trek universe by science fiction writer Larry Niven for his known space universe in the short story The Soft Weapon, and were then brought in by DC Fontana 
to adapt his own short story for the series, it's great to see future iterations of Trek bring elements from the animated series forward, which, again, along with the original series in syndication, was what was keeping the franchise alive along with the fans, who at this time had organized in such a way that when the first ever Star Trek convention was held in New York City at the Statler Hilton, now the Hotel Pennsylvania, from January 21st to the 23rd, 1972, they were only expecting at most 500 people to attend. They stopped counting at 3,000 people who were there to celebrate their beloved series, as well as see both Gene Rottenberry and Isaac Asimov himself attend. While science fiction and comic book conventions existed before Star Trek, I think it's safe to say that Star Trek definitely set the bar in terms of fandom and helping to make geek culture mainstream, and how even smaller cities like Winnipeg can have conventions like this. And that's it for the animated series. Join me tomorrow for when Star Trek hits the big screen with my favorite film in the Star Trek film franchise that has two of my favorite moments in said franchise. And if you'd like to get in contact with me in regards to this series, I'm at Lucanon on both Facebook and Instagram, and my email address is reganarodi at yahoo.com. Live long and prosper, and also live well.